Welcome, everybody. So glad you're here. Would you please stand with me? I'm going to read today. Uh, we're going to read the scripture reading for today. It's found in Mark uh, chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 30. And it's found in the, the Journey Bible on page 1292, if you'd like to follow along there. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 30. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, uh, Some John the Baptist, uh, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am. Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. This is God's word. You can be seated. I like it when things are brief and concise. Just like that passage. It's really brief. I, you know, if I have to read a book... I don't want a book where the authors put in three chapters of filler. I don't want that. And if somebody sends me a video, I don't want it longer than a minute. I got a short attention span, right? Um, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. You probably this morning like, yeah, that's from where I'm seated this morning, I want you to get to the point, Norm. <laughs> that's probably how you're feeling. Brevity and concision is or what we find in this passage that I just read. And it's something that's very true of Mark, the gospel of Mark uh, that we are uh, studying. We're in a series called Real Jesus. He's the God you do not expect. And so I want to give you just a tiny bit of history about the gospels. There are four gospels. Um, say them with me if you know them. The first one is Matthew. That's right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so, a little bit of history here. Uh, In the early church, the gospel that was read the most and studied the most was Matthew. Everybody in that time believed it was the first gospel uh, that was completed. And that's why it's actually the first book in the New Testament books. Matthew's the, the very first one. Um, and, um, it was a, it was a popular book. Now, what about Mark? Mark was second there, we see in the list. Mark is often seen as the most neglected because it's the shortest. It's actually the shortest book of the four. And, and actually 90% of what you find in Mark, like if you go through and study it, 90% is found in the other gospels. And so, like, if you're an efficient person, it's like, why would I read Mark when I could read these other ones and get the same stuff that's in Mark? And maybe that's kind of how the uh, ancients uh, thought about it as well. But in the last uh, dozen years or so, much more attention, the last few dozen years, uh, much more attention has been given to Mark because um, through research and through a, a field that's called source criticism, it's understood that actually Mark was the very first gospel. That was completed. And how it's proven is that 
these other Gospels, that's why they have all this material from Mark, because they used Mark as a source for their Gospel. So, And then the other proof is this, that the sayings that we find in Mark, the discussions that go on, the sayings of Jesus, they're very short and succinct, and which has led scholars to believe they're closer to the original wording. It's almost like Mark was saying, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. He only wanted to state the essentials, no extra commentary, no lengthy explanation. And it's of great benefit that we find this characteristic in this passage that we're looking at today. I'm going to tell you, it's of great benefit to us. Mark here is giving us a straightforward account of the process someone goes through to become a Christian. The process that someone walks through, the steps that one takes to become a Christian, to become saved by Jesus Christ. It's right there in those short four verses that we have. So listen up. Here's the main point of the day. Becoming a Christian involves the process of learning understanding and professing the truth about Jesus Christ. So becoming a a Christian, it involves learning about Christ. We have to understand something about him. And then it involves the fruit of learning, which is understanding. When you learn something, you're, you're learning something, hopefully you get to the point where you understand some things. And so that's kind of the second piece is Understanding the truth of who Jesus is, and and then it culminates in a profession. It, it, it culminates in a personal decision that is out there to other people about what you believe about Jesus Christ. And, and this is valuable. This is really valuable because where we're at as a church is over the last couple of months, it just feels... It, I have this sense that the Holy Spirit is at work in our church, in our community, which is really exciting to me. I'm like a kid in a candy shop. I mean, there's been so many different conversations that I've had and other leaders and people from Genesis have have had with people about how to become a Christian and what does it mean uh, to follow Christ. And so what we're going to see today is, is that becoming a Christian is a process. It's a process. It's a, it's a process that touches on three areas of the human makeup. It's a, it's a process that involves relationships, that is, interaction with other people. Secondly, it's a, it's a process that involves your intellect. You've got to think about something. <laughs> you have to understand something. There needs to be some reasoning, some rationale. And then lastly, volition. Volition is personal choice. It's your will. It's what you decide to do with the information uh, that we have. And so this is really storied out here in these brief verses. And so I'm going to give you three parts to this passage that show us the process to become a Christian. And the first part of this passage is this, Christ invited the disciples into a learning community. Jesus Christ invited the disciples into a learning community. If you were here a number of weeks ago, we studied Mark chapter 1, and that's where we see Jesus inviting 
some of the disciples to follow him, to follow after him. Mark chapter 1. And, uh, you know, he was inviting them to follow after him, where they would be in a position to hear what Jesus is saying and see what Jesus does. What is Jesus doing? It was an invitation. It was like, come follow after me. See what I do. See what I say or hear what I say. It's very similar to in the, the um, 34th Psalm in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament. There's this little verse the psalmist says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who trusts in him. And it was like Jesus was saying, hey, come, come and be a part of what I'm doing. Come and see if it resonates with you. You know, follow after me. He was, he was inviting them along. And so to make something very clear here this morning, before they were Christians, before the disciples were Christians, before they knew the truth about Jesus, they were invited into community. And, and that is the setting of this passage. You see, Jesus and his community, they're on a road trip. I love road trips. I really do. I love road trips. And, and through the years of Genesis, we've been able to take some road trips on different things. Went to Mexico and, and built a house, did some different things like that. And, you know, it's just great to be on a road trip because you have a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. <laughs> you just hit the door locks and boom, they're in there. So it's, it's fun for that regard. But I've also loved it in my parenting and some of my best memories and greatest memories uh, to this day, even as my children are now adults, to go on a trip and to just be able to talk about things, it's so wonderful. And that's what Jesus is doing here. They're on a road trip. They're going to Caesarea Philippi. And what does he say? He's, he's pulling out some very important questions, some meaningful questions. Who do people say that I am? Now, did he ask that because he didn't know? What do you think? Do you think Jesus asked that question? Who do they say I am, the other people, because he didn't know? I don't think so. I think he knew. I think he wanted them to think about it. I think he wanted his followers there that were following after him to really think about who is this man that we're following. So uh, if you're a person here today or you're watching and you're not quite yet a Christian, I just want to tell you, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're watching and, and please keep coming. Part of the process in becoming a Christian is engaging in a community with Christians. That's part of the process. It's finding a place where you can hear what Jesus says. And you can see, hopefully it's true of Genesis, you can see what Jesus does right here. So if that's you, I'm so glad. And the gathering is a great place uh, to start. Um, I'd like you also to think about taking a step towards deeper community. And there's many options. Scott just mentioned one. If you're a lady, <laughs> real women meet, meet this um, Wednesday night, and that's a community that you can take a step deeper into a learning community. There's Man Up, there's Youth Group. I hear there's a great 
retreat coming up for senior hires. And that's a great place. Equip is another one. Christian community is a place to ask questions about who Jesus is. To determine, is Jesus real? Is this really real? Or is this just made up stuff? Is this just pretend stuff? And is Christianity, does it um, have a plausible answer for the world we live in, for the, the struggles we all have, the troubles we have? So the disciples were finding a sense of belonging before they fully believed. Do you understand that? They were finding belonging in a Christian environment before they were believers. Do you understand that? Uh, It did not always go clean and smooth. Peter, you know, we could take some time and talk about Peter. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. As a matter of fact, next week we're going to look at the passage where Jesus has to say to him, Get behind me, Satan. I mean, I've never used that before. That's a pretty strong uh, thing there. But Peter was one that would pipe up and say some of the darndest things. Not only that, Jesus invited other people into that group that never became Christians. Do you remember Judas? Judas Iscariot? We're going to talk about him over the next weeks to come. He was the betrayer of Jesus. And so as a follower, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you the question this morning. Are you helping others find a learning community? Are you helping others that are in your life? Are you taking the wonderful opportunity to help others find a a place where they can learn about Jesus Christ? Now, it's something that I experienced as a teenager I crashed at a Christian's home because my family was a train wreck. And it was through that that I found Christ more and more. All right, part of becoming a Christian is relational. Well, let's look at the second part. And it's intellectual. Okay, Jesus, this is the second part of the passage. Jesus identified the most important question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? This is thinking. This is thinking about what the learning process has brought to fruit in one's life. So they're on this trip well, to a place called Caesarea Philippi. There's villages all around it. And I just want to tell you, it was a place of great idolatry. That's not good. That's a bad thing, right? Idolatry is worshiping or prioritizing something other than the Lord. And so in that day, um, Herod the Great had built this um, temple to honor Caesar and to encourage the people of the land to worship Caesar as God. So that was there at Caesarea Philippi. There was also, and I have a picture of this, have you ever heard of the god Pan, um, the god half man and half goat? who played a flute. <laughs> uh, Pan ruled the great outdoors. Pan might be someone that we worship here in northern Michigan. I don't know. I hope not. So it's basically in this place uh, that Jesus is asking this question. You know, where the world religions of the day are colliding with who Jesus is. They're having this discussion. And... You know, who is Jesus? And and so what do they say? Uh, uh, Some of the the disciples, they say, well, John the Baptist, you know, he's, um, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, and because it was brought up, Herod thought, oh, this Jesus must be John the Baptist because 
he's kind of doing some of the similar things and his teaching is really good and people are following him. And Herod thought, oh no, John the Baptist had raised from the dead, kind of like zombie, you know, John the Baptist, you know, walking around. And, and then uh, some were like, no, he's Elijah, Elijah from the Old Testament. And if you kind of know any of the Bible, um, not everybody here maybe knows this, but um, Elijah wasn't one of the major prophets. Like if you look back, you'd think Moses or you'd think of, you know, Isaiah or something like that. But in the, the time between the New Testament and the Old Testament called the intertestamental time, Elijah was like the big dog. And it was because Elijah, he didn't die. He got swooped up in a whirlwind and taken to heaven. And so the belief in that time was Elijah was going to come back. Elijah was going to come back and do some things. And so they were like, oh, this must be Elijah. You know, he's a really good teacher and, you know, a prophet and all that uh, kind of a thing. And then some of them said, another prophet, you know. My question to you, who do people say that Jesus is today? What do you hear? What's the word on the street that you hear? And, uh, you know, many times it's things like this. Jesus was a great moral teacher. Jesus did some incredible, special event type things, you know, miracles even. Some people, though, have more of a negative view of Jesus. You know, uh, Christianity is passe, you know, they might say. It's in the past. Uh, John Lennon, you know, this is 60 years ago, but uh, famously uh, said that he thought the Beatles were more popular than Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, But then Jesus turns this. They're, They're talking about who do other people say And then Jesus says, very directly, very pointed. As a matter of fact, in the original language, this is, the Greek is what the New Testament is written in. It's a very emphatic, almost pointing in your face kind of way. Jesus emphatically says, but you, who do you say that I am? You know, what what have you come to understand you know, you've been researching. What what has it led to? As you've gotten into the details now, what do you believe? What do you believe about me? You see, in the context of relationship, Jesus asks this, this riveting question. Who do you say that I am? And that's part of the process to becoming a Christian. You see, it involves relationships. It involves kind of hearing what Jesus had to say and seeing what Jesus does. And then, and then it has to do with engaging your intellect, like really trying to understand what, who is Jesus? What is he about? What are, the most, what are the answers to these most important questions? Now, here's the third part. Here's the third part of it, is that Peter makes profession of his faith in Jesus Christ. You see the progression that's going on? We have, we have the relationships. We have kind of the, the learning environment. We have a, ooh, an understanding from the fruit of the learning environment. And now we're going to see a profession, a profession of faith. Peter says this very simply. Remember, succinct, just the facts, man. Peter answered, you are the Messiah. That's it. Now, it's interesting, this passage here, and if you want the notes, text Genesis. There is an apparatus or a, a tool that can help you if you're studying the Bible. It's called the gospel, Harmony of the Gospel. 
Gospels, and it has all four of the Gospels like in charts next to each other. And it shows you where different passages appear in other books of the Gospels, the biographies of Christ. And so if you want that, there's actually a free one online. You can go get it. And uh, in there, I mean, this is the briefest one. This is very concise. The other ones elaborate or give more information. But here, it's just the facts. It's like, you are the Messiah. Just the facts. Peter shares his conviction about Christ in a public way. Peter's come to understand that, that Jesus is the anointed one. That's what Messiah means. It means he is the special one that is anointed. He is the promised one, the one who's been promised from the very beginning, from the, from the fall, the proto-evangelium, the first mention of the gospel, which is in Genesis chapter 3, the third book or the third chapter in the whole Bible. Um, Peter believes he's a Davidic king that would come and save. And I have a definition for Messiah. This is from Elwell the agent of final divine deliverance who had been promised in Scripture. Now, we don't know exactly to what level Peter believed all of this, but he believes Jesus is the Messiah. Now, there's a parallel passage that I want to show you, as I mentioned, in Matthew that that carries us, and so let's read it right now. Because we see that this is a watershed moment for Peter. Uh, So Peter's asked, and then Simon Peter answers, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You see the addition there from Mark? And then verse 17, um, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Peter had another name, by the way. Uh, He's Peter, Annie, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Peter is saying, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You are the solution to the problems we're facing. You are the answer to the greatest needs. And Jesus is saying of this profession, he's saying, this is legit. This is right on. He's given it double thumbs up. It's a confession also. This this declaration that Peter has said is going to be the foundation of the church. It's like the ground floor of everything that Christianity will be built to be. Now Jesus avoided using Messiah. And as a matter of fact, he says in this, don't tell anybody. And you might be like, why in the world did Jesus say that? Well, because the concept of Messiah was many times used as a nationalistic answer to problems, sort of a political thing. We see that in our country where the the politics sometimes become our savior. And so um, he did not want to see them rush to make him king and and be, because he wasn't there to be the national leader of Palestine. He was there to do his work, which was die on the cross. And raise again from the dead. So he wasn't interested in a political movement. He was interested in what he says over in John chapter 14, verse 6. And this is from Jesus. He doesn't, again, he doesn't use the word Messiah to describe himself. uh, But the concept is there. And he says, I am the way, the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
This is what Jesus says of himself. And Peter's uh, professing Jesus as Messiah. So, so what is a profession? Let's just take a moment and think about that. What is a profession? Profession, I made this up. Profession is intellect that is acted on. There's probably some holes in that, but I think it's pretty solid. Profession, or to profess something, is you've been through a process of coming to a point of understanding. And now you believe it, and it kind of goes from here, just mental assent, mental understanding to, yes, I'm acting on it. This is mine. I'm all in. I'm 100% in. It's, and action is public sharing. Action is like publicly saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah. Jesus, you are the answer to my problems. You are my Lord. Okay? Now, I want to digress for just a moment. There are two types of people who call themselves Christians. There's two basic types of people. There's cultural Christians and there's convictional Christians. And I want you to think about this for yourself. There's cultural Christian. A cultural Christian is someone that perhaps has grown up in a Christian environment or has been around a culture that values Christianity. They've grown up in it. They went to a Christian school. They had a Christian family. Or they've just been around it in some other way. So they're very familiar with the Christian concepts. But a personal decision on the matter of Christ has not been made yet. A personal decision has not been made yet. See, they they have a lot of understanding as a cultural Christian. But um, they have the heritage there. They have everything needed, but it still hasn't gone here into the heart, the heart of the matter. Now, a convictional Christian, what's a convictional Christian? It's It's a person that has convictions about things. And you, I'm married to someone who has convictions about some things, okay? And it's wonderful. I know right what they are. Because when you have convictions about things, you tell them, you share them. They mean something to you. You have belief in something. And you believe it not just as abstract truth, but like, this is real. Okay? They understand and believe the teachings of the Bible about Jesus and have trusted Jesus personally. And they're on record publicly. This isn't something they shrink shrink away from. That's the step to becoming a Christian. You see, these people who are convictional Christians, they're they're striving. They're not perfect. I would consider myself one, and I am far from perfect. So it's not about perfection, but it's about striving for Christ's leadership to guide their lives. That's what a convictional Christian... Are you a convictional Christian? Or, Or are you a cultural Christian? Where are you at? What do you say about Jesus? Is he the Messiah? Is he the son of the living God? Is he the answer to your problems, the things that you're facing? Or is he just a nationalistic hero? You know, he's a hero for a time and a place. You know, some people think of God or Jesus like an app. Like anybody have an app on their phone or on their watch or on their tablet? An app that you like to use. You know, you, you open it up. You know, like when I'm away, I love to use maps and stuff like that. And, 
and I have notes that I use, and I love that because I can see it on any of my devices. It's, it's helpful. The utility of it is incredibly helpful. And sometimes that's how we view Jesus. He's just an app. You know, we click on that app, and it, it comes open. And then when we're done with that app, what do we do? We swipe it away. We swipe it away because we have other apps. We have other things. And what we find from Scripture here, no. No, he's the answer. He's the solution. He's not a mere app. He's not a mere box on your phone. He's the operating system. He's the whole thing. And he's what you need. He's what I need. Becoming a Christian involves the process of learning, understanding, and professing the truth about Jesus Christ. Where are you? Do you know where you are? Are you in this process of becoming a Christian? Are you just in need of more of a relational context where you can learn more about who Jesus is? Is that where you are? Or or have you got to the point where you have some understanding now and it's time to formalize that? It's time to make that real and move beyond theory into practice into professing. I'm going to, Scott and Zach are going to come up, but I'm going to pray right now, and we're, we'll continue with our time here. Dear Lord, we just come before you this morning, and we thank you for this message from your word that shows us a pathway that we can take to become a Christian, to become saved, to become confident of our eternal existence in you. And so, Lord, I I thank you for it, and I pray that your Holy Spirit is at work right now in our midst uh, to really show us what you have for us in this day, the decisions you want us to make to please you and to follow you and to become everything that you have in mind for us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus asked a very pointed question to the disciples that Peter asked. I want to ask a different question to you this morning before we get back to Jesus' question. Why did you come this morning? Why are you here? Maybe you came because you were looking for something. That's fantastic. You're investigating. You're seeking. Uh, You needed some encouragement. You needed some answers. You needed some comfort. That's wonderful. But I also mentioned earlier that God is seeking you. And so the question I want to ask is, are you ready to hear from God? Are you ready to take a step? Because it's not just about what you came for. It's about why God had you come. Because of what he wants you to do next. Let me walk you through a couple next steps. And I want you to take them very seriously this morning. As if God was asking you, will you do this? Is that why you're here this morning? Because you're ready to do this? How can we act on what we heard this morning? The first thing is to take a step toward Christian community. To take a step toward Christian community. Christian life is not a motorcycle ride. It is a bus trip. It means getting together with other people. And sometimes that's fun and sometimes it's annoying. We, we wear off our rough edges when we're together. Where are you meeting with other believers? Maybe it's getting involved in one of our community groups like Real Women. Man Up, Exceptional Families, our prayer night, youth group, 
There's different opportunities. And it's there that you begin to meet people and form those relationships and maybe go into deeper community as well. Maybe it's serving. What a great way to connect with people. That's a community also. Are you ready to take a step in community? Where will that be and what will you do? Don't let more weeks go by before you take a step closer to others. And then because we're on this bus together, maybe you are a believer already. Maybe you're, you're more solid in the faith. You're already connected at Genesis. Don't just rest on those connections. The second step you could take is this. Reach out to someone else who may have questions or needs an example of how a Christian lives. If you're on that bus ride, don't sit next to the same old friends all the time. If you're on that bus trip, go sit next to that person who nobody's sitting next to and connect with them and draw them deeper in. I really love what Norman had to say that People were following Jesus before they were believers in Jesus. He invited them to be followers. And we are so glad that you're here if you're investigating. But finally, and perhaps most importantly, are you ready to make a decision today to accept and obey the teachings of Jesus? You may have reasons why you came this morning, but God may have reasons why you came this morning. What does it mean to make that decision, to confess, to say like Peter, you are the Messiah? It starts by admitting your need for God. That, you know what? I'm not the driver of the bus. I don't want to be the driver of the bus. I need Christ to be that. I have a sin problem. I have a brokenness, and I can't fix. You might be really smart. You might be really talented. You can't fix the brokenness inside of you. Second, believe that Jesus is God's solution to that. He is the only one that can fix that. And to say, I've tried this. I've tried that. Jesus is God's answer. I believe that he's the one that can pay the penalty for my sin, that can raise me to new life, that I might follow him. And finally, what the whole point was this morning is to come to that point of professing. Confess, commit your life to Jesus Christ and follow him. That may be praying a simple prayer I'm going to lead you in in a moment. It might be taking a step toward baptism uh, that's coming up this Easter. That might be your next step. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to give you a chance to pray. Um, in fact, let's let's stand up as you do that. Again, we don't do this every Sunday, but lately we've just felt God's spirit moving, calling people to faith. And God is asking you this question. You've been hearing about my son. Who do you think he is? That's step one. Who do you say he is? If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, and today is that day you want to make that step, I want to encourage you right now in your heart to just say something like this to God. Father, I've been investigating. Lord God, I've been investigating my own heart, and I'm finding it wanting. I see my struggles. I try to fix the problems, and I can't. I recognize I'm broken inside. I'm sinful inside, and I don't have a solution for that. But I've been hearing and seeing and understanding and now believing that Jesus is that solution. Just like Peter was bold enough to profess, so do I. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, my Savior. Today, I invite him into my heart, into my life, to be Lord and Master. This morning, if that's something that you have prayed, to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, I would encourage you, would you just 
without others looking, just stick your hand up in the air for a second so that we can see and pray for you. Don't be shy about it. Thank you. Anyone else? Good. Praise God. Let me pray and remind you that when we're concluded, there's a prayer team up here to my right that you can come and talk with more. Seek out Norma and myself. We'd love to talk to you more about your confession of faith. If you're interested in baptism, text us. Talk with us afterward. We are so excited about what God is doing. And if you're not there yet, if you're not quite ready, this is a safe place to learn and to follow until God speaks to your heart. Father God, thank you this morning for your word, which is powerful. Thank you for the message uh, that we heard. Thank you for what Peter confessed and professed. And Lord, even those of us who are Christ followers, give us the courage to stand up and say, this is what I believe. Jesus is the Christ. We commit our lives to you in his name. And all God's people said, amen.